All right. Good morning to everyone. And uh, we are we're going to continue to look at matters of the heart. So I hope you're prepared for that. If you want to take notes, you can do so right here. I don't know what shows you watched as a child. They had different shows for some people. Um, one of the big shows, which transcended different generations, is Sesame Street. I don't know if you ever saw some Sesame Street. You know, uh, Sesame Street's an interesting little show. Some creepy little puppets that talk and uh, entertain the children. And there's a big, massive bird that would be pretty scary in person. Um, but I remember one of the little—they do little vignettes, little skits. And uh, maybe you remember this one from when you were a kid. But there was a skit called—I don't know what it's called—but it was basically uh, a farmer and his wife. Um, and uh, the farmer was not so bright, and the wife was a little bit more, um, she's a little more in tune with what's going on. She's sitting in a rocking chair, and the guy was trying to draw some water from a bucket. And he said, there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza. Remember that one? Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's a classic. All right, you got to go look that up on YouTube. Todd, you with me? All right. I didn't want to show it to you because it was like five minutes, and then I was like, I don't want to show five minutes in this skit. But, so basically, here's what happens. Old farmer, here's uh, Dear Henry. Um, he's trying to draw water in a bucket, and he doesn't uh, seem to be, have problem-solving ability. Um, so there's a hole in the bucket, Dear Liza, and I want to get water. And so she tells him, hey, fix it. Well, how do I fix it? And then she just goes back and forth, and he keeps finding uh, problems. She finds solutions. He finds problems. Oh, there's, well, there's a stick. Well, the stick's too big. Well, then cut the stick. Well, okay, how do I cut the stick? Well, here, use an axe. Well, how do... Okay, where's the axe? I found the axe. Well, the axe is too dull. And it goes back, and that's the whole thing, back and forth. And she's like growing more frustrated with him as he can't seem to solve the problem. And it leads all the way back to the fact that in order to sharpen the axe, you got to have water, but the water won't go in the bucket because there's a hole in the bucket. So the problem is all the way back to the beginning, and it's an unsolvable problem. Um, and so I share that with you this morning because we're going to look at something that I don't think I've ever preached on, and I don't think I've ever heard preached on in church. Um, it's the concept of futility. Um, this is maybe something you don't really use that word a whole lot, but futility is idea. It come from, comes from a Latin word, futilis, futility. Yeah, you may have never heard this word. What is this? It, you may have never heard of the word, or maybe you don't use the word, but it's something that we all struggle with, something we all deal with each and every day. Uh, the word futilis in Latin actually comes from the word leaky. or it's the, It means leaky. And it basically means that there's a hole in the bucket. If I put water in this bucket, the water's all going to splash out, and that's just how it works. So why would I put water in the bucket? There's a hole in the bucket. It's leaking out. This is, this is what we're looking at, that, that the, the world, in fact, is built with futility, that there's a, leaky, uh, there's a leak in the world. There's, there's holes in the bucket of our world. And no matter what we do, sometimes the problems that we find and the solutions we look for are not enough. And we try to find this, well, that doesn't work either. Well, let's, we got to do this to fix this, and that doesn't fix that. And we keep going on this cycle of futility where we can't find the solution that fits the problem. And we're in this series called Matters of the Heart. And we've talked about anger. We did that a couple weeks. We talked last week about uh, entitlement and gratitude, uh, how life's not fair. And so this kind of ties into that concept a little bit. But, um, you know, futility has to do with this leaky bucket, this, this world that we live in where there is uh, a hole in it. And, and if you know you're leaning into futility, you know you're coming up against it when you've asked this question, what is the point? Mm-hmm. Who's ever asked that question? You're doing something, what is the point of this? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're doing a game at camp, maybe you're, no, why are we doing this? What is the point? 
Uh, you go somewhere, you go to your job, and you're like, this is, this is, what is the point of this job? What are we even doing? What are we accomplishing? What is the purpose? What is the aim? What is the goal? What, where are we going with this? It seems like this is pointless. This is directionless. This is aimless. And that is when you know you're bumping up against futility. When you're asking yourself the question, what is the point? And, and that's sometimes a good question to ask. Because some things don't really have much of a point. And you might be sitting there playing video games all day long and realize, you know, hmm, what is the point of this? Like, I'm just playing and I'm doing nothing with my life. Maybe I ought to ask that question and do something different. So it's not a bad question to ask, but here's the thing. We sometimes can lean into futility and we stop actually asking that question and we start assuming the answer. So rather than saying, what is the point? We assume there is no point. Let me give you some examples. Uh, I prayed. Nothing happened. What's the point of prayer? Who's done that? You prayed, you know, I prayed God would heal this person. Didn't happen. So why should I pray? What's the point? Prayer doesn't work. It's futile. It doesn't work. Okay, we stopped asking what's the point. We started just assuming there is no point. I was nice. I was kind. I was loving. But they responded with hate and indifference. They responded, I was nice. They were mean. What's the point of being nice? You know, if that's how people, if that's how I'm going to be treated, what's the point? What's the point of being kind to people when they treat me this way? What's the point? I worked really hard. I played by the rules, and I didn't get ahead. What's the point of, of following the rules and being a good guy? I mean, when it doesn't seem like that as how the world works, right? What's the point? Um, I studied, and I still failed. Don't you hate that? And then you're like, what's the point of school? Why even do this? School's pointless. I don't want to study anymore because I studied and I failed. So why even study? I mean, it doesn't even work, right? What's the point? Um, I got good grades. I'm looking at my daughter. She got good grades. Good job. And then I got a, a college degree. As some people, millennials, I got a college degree. And then now I'm working at Taco Bell. You know, I'm not, and now I'm working at um, uh, Burlington Coat Factory. You know, and I'm just like hanging up coats. And I got like this, you know, great degree. And I got a bunch of student debt. But what was the point of all that? What's the point? Why did I do this? Um, I loved, I, I gave, I shared my heart. I, I did all this and this person just ran away and broke my heart. You know, what, what was the point of relationships? What's the point of, of investing in these things when that's all that's going to happen? You know, I shared my faith. I witnessed, you know, I invited people to church. I didn't see any results. Nobody ever came. I invite people all the time. They never come to my church. My church is small. They might think, well, you meet in a little mission Lexington. What is that? I don't want to come to your church. Why even invite people anymore? Right? What's the point? This is when we bump up against futility. We think, you know, why, why are we doing this? What's the point? Why? And this is something we have. It gets into our heart. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. This is something we don't even think about, but it can get into our hearts and it can redirect the course of our life. Mm. I tithed. I gave my 10%. God never blessed me. I never saw a blessing. You know, I thought, that, you know, Mike was saying, you know, if you tithe and you always tell us about tithing, well, I did that. It didn't work. What's the point? Why would I do that? Right? We give up. We just assume there is no point to it. I sat down and read my Bible this morning and, and guess what? Nothing happened. I just read my Bible and it was like about Hezekiah or about, you know, who knows? Some people I couldn't even pronounce their names and, you know, and I don't really know what happened. I just read it and what's the point of reading the Bible? You know, I didn't really get anything from this. So why do I want to wake up the morning and do this? It doesn't seem like there was really any point to it. What's the point? I showed up to church. Nobody talked to me. You know, they, were, they, they seemed like they all had their friendships. They were doing this and that. Like I didn't even matter. And so why even go back? Why go to church? It seemed like they don't really care. What's the point? On and on. I mean, this you can dig into this. It, it intersects our life so many different ways. A lot of people, they're in church. They got involved, um, and they got hurt. Somebody was rude. Somebody was mean. Somebody said some stuff. There were some legitimate things that happened. And you know what? What's the point of all this? If I'm going to be this person, and they're going to treat me this way, why even go to church anymore? What's the point of this? 
What's the point is a good question to ask. It's a fair question to wrestle with, but it can also be an impediment to our journey. When we, when, we happen, when we stop asking the question and start assuming the answer, and the answer we assume is there is no point, it can really stop us and block us. You know, there's a book in the Bible that really is centered around this question. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. The word that resonates through this book, if you've ever read this book and you didn't have any background, you're probably like, wow, this is depressing. <laughs> Was this guy need some meds or something, man? What's wrong with him? You know, like, seriously, what's up with this guy? Well, this is, Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. King Solomon, um, if you know a little bit of Bible background, was the son of David who became the king. And Solomon was blessed early in his life with with, uh, such a great amount of wisdom that it shaped the kingdom. And he did all these sort of things that set up the kingdom for success. When he had an opportunity to ask for wealth, riches, all these things, he asked for wisdom. God gave him wisdom, and that's how it ruled his life. And so early in his life, he was connected with God. He had a, 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 a close connection, a conversation with God. He was, he was near to God because in that, he, he asked for wisdom. God blessed him. But as he lived his life, he stopped relying on God, started relying on other things. He started seeking pleasure, started seeking wealth, started seeking, finding all his meaning in other things. And, and he writes this book at the end of his life talking about how all these other things were meaningless. When he got off track and he started seeking pleasure through uh, multiple relationships, and you know he had, you know, concubines and wives and all this crazy stuff, and he started, um, you know, parties and alcohol and drinking, all these sort of things that he'd do, and he said, you know, all of that was the word he uses, meaningless. Word about, or if you read another translation, it says vanity, but it's the same word that we get futility from, that it was empty, that it was pointless. What was the point of all of this? If I'm here at my deathbed and, you know, here I am, what do I really have? And he got back to that point and said, you know, the, really the point was to fear God, to know him, my, my creator, because that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to be with him. So all this other stuff that I got caught up in really was no point because it led me away from the one who made me. It led me away from the one that could actually give me purpose and give me peace. So this morning, I want to look at this, uh, this concept of, of futility, and I want to look at this, and, and let me share some three truths about futility this morning, and then we have three practical steps to renew your hope. We're talking about futility versus hope. The opposite of, of futility, in a way, is, is honestly is hope. When you, when you give yourself over to futility, what's the point of this? You've given up hope. You just said, you know what? Whatever, there's no point, and you and you stop hoping, and so we want to look at futility versus hope. So here's three truths about it. Let me let me give you number one here. You cannot escape futility because it's baked into the world. It's one of the ingredients of our world. Literally, it's baked into the world we live in. In our broken, fallen world, futility is a element and and a part of what we what we exist in. Um, our world's broken. There are leaks everywhere. We talked about last week how it's not fair. Life is not fair. And so you can look at all these sort of things and, and think you, you try to do this, try to do that, and then boom, it didn't work out. And like, well, I did everything right, and then it didn't happen. I mean, I was brought my kid to church, raised him right, and then they wandered away. When I mean, what's up? You know, I don't get how this works. Well, life isn't fair. It doesn't always work out how we measure it up. And so uh, if, if we get caught up in that, we can give up hope because we think life should be fair, but it's not going to be fair because our world is broken. You know, sometimes preachers will give you shortcuts 
and they'll say, you know, it's all good. You know, God's good all the time. All times God's good. You know, praise the Lord. You know, all this sort of stuff. And we don't want to address the futility of our world, which is painful. But we, we give, we, we, you know, our bodies are, are broken. You know, Lynn's going through some things. People are going through things. We're all going, you know, we have to deal with this fact. Our bodies are, are leaky, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We got some Amen. issues and they're falling apart. Yeah. And that's the, that's what we have to live our lives in. The aches and the pains and all these sort of things that are, you know, when you're young, you don't even think about it. When you start getting a little bit older, you're like, oh, my word, you know, my back, my foot, my thing. And, and that's, the, that's what we live in. You know, it's like, well, man, this is tough. This is hard. And it is. Uh, one of the most quoted scriptures about, you know, stay positive, positive attitude, all this sort of stuff. I would say it's Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and been called according to his purpose. You probably heard someone encourage you with that, right? God's working for the good. And that, it's true. Yeah. But let me share with you the scriptures leading up to that scripture. What scripture are we in today? Um, did you get one of these, homes? I was taking notes of them. Oh, okay. Anybody got a bonus? I got you, dude. That'll help you. All right. Romans 8.20. So we're going to look at Romans 18. Romans 8.18. There is no Romans 18. It ends at 16. Um, Romans 8.18 says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah. Wait, Paul, you're saying we have sufferings? Yeah. Our present sufferings, the futility of our life, the different things we face and go through that is different for you, it's different for me. We all go through different things. We can't compare ourselves to each other, but we're all going to go through different sufferings in our lives. And really, some people go through more. They just do. Some people go through less, but we all go through something. But our present sufferings, no matter how great or how small, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, well, that's cool, but it doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard sometimes. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Here's this verse. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to, one translation says frustration, another says futility, another says vanity. The word there is mateotes, which that's what it means. Futility, vanity, emptiness, purposelessness, ineffectiveness, instability, frailty, all this sort of things. That Greek word sums up that our creation was subjected to it. It's baked into creation. This, this, this pointlessness and vanity and emptiness in creation by itself in a broken world. It says, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will one day be liberated from its bondage to decay. Everything is falling apart. Uh, there's a fancy word called entropy, where, you know, Andrew studied this, of course, because he's, he, if you've ever studied the second law of thermodynamics, where uh, things go from order to chaos in any system. And in our world, things are going from order to chaos as God has created, and things are slowly falling apart but he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth mm-hmm. and, and, and all this old will, will be faded away into what he is, he's doing but it says it was it'll be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God verse 22 we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right in the present time maybe that's how you feel when you wake up in the morning Ugh, gotta get out of bed <laughs> <laughs> Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We're not there yet. We're not what God will make us. We're not where we will be. Here's where we are in our brokenness, in our, in our incompleteness. With the first fruits of the Spirit in our lives, those who are believers, who have the Spirit in our lives, but we don't have everything that God wants to do. We're not quite where He wants us to be. 
but we have that taste of who he is. And so we, it, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes we groan waiting for that day where this will all just end and we can be with him or this will all just, all the problems and the struggles and the stress will go away and we can truly have the joy that he wants to give us. So we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. For in this hope we were saved. Look at how many times the word hope is here. For this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the midst of futility, we hope. We hold on to hope because God is there and he is doing things. We can't lose sight of his presence, can't lose sight of his purpose. It says, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Amen. Yes. We all have weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. I know some pastors have called this the three groans, and that's the sermon. you got the, the world groaning, we're groaning, and the Spirit is groaning. That's not my sermon today. That would have been another one. But... <laughs> And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And here we go. We finally made it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things. Well, all the things we're talking about don't sound very great, you know? All these things that we're facing, all the struggles, all the stress, all the suffering, God is working for the good if we hold on to hope. If we don't lose heart, if we don't give up, if we don't forget, God is working for the good of those who love him. You know, I've heard it said, if, if it's not good, then God's not done. Because God is working all things for the good in your life. So if it's not good right now, God's not done. He's still working. He's still doing stuff. And so we don't want to lose hope. Number two, if you give in to futility... It will begin to ruin your life. I just want to share this with you. If you give in to futility, what's the point? If that becomes the refrain of your life, what's the point? What's the point of this? What's the point of that? That will take over your heart and it will begin to ruin your life. It will rob you and steal from you all of the things God wants to do in you. Because we are going to go through hard things. We are going to go through suffering. But if in the midst of that we say, what's the point of all of this? We will shortcut, we will sabotage the things that God's trying to create in us. When we, say, when we give in to futility, it destroys the visions, the dreams, the purpose, and the calling in our lives. God may have a calling on your life that you have to go through challenges to get to. And if in the middle of it you say, man, what's the point of all of this? God, where are you? And you just pull the plug and say, I give up hope. You're going to miss what God wants to do in your life. We can't give in to futility. We can't say, man, there's, man, I, don't, I can't see what God's doing. What's the point of all this? I, I don't mean, we can't do that because we'll begin to ruin our life. It can ruin relationships. We may have a challenging relationship. You're like, what's the point of all this? I, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to try anymore. I, I just can't, I can't do it. You know what? We shortcut what God wants to do. We, we give up on what God may still have in the future if we say, what's the point? And even ourselves that we rob ourselves from the things that God wants to do. There's examples in the Bible, the children of Israel that first generation that was led out of slavery, if you look at them in the book of Exodus, they, they had futility baked into their hearts. And so they couldn't ever see what God was doing. They got caught up in all the little things of daily life. They get out here in the wilderness. God frees them from uh, bondage, and they go through the Red Sea. And then three days later, they're complaining about their diet. Man, I need this food. I don't have meat. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm hungry. I don't have, 
and on and on and on. We all we could see is right what's in front of us and what's the point of all this? Why don't we just stay there? Yeah. Remember that they just said, why don't we just stay back there? That was better than this. What's the point of all? Why are we why are we on this journey? Why are we wandering through here? What's the point of this? They they go on. Moses leads them, and they get up to the promised land. They look at there. They send out the spies. In the book of Numbers, come back. Hey, there's some giants there. Looks kind of tough. Some are saying, hey, we can do this. Ten of them saying, I don't know. And they say, you know, what, what is the point of all? Well, we can't do this. We can't go where God's leading us. This, is, this isn't going to happen. And they, they, they subject their hearts to futility and think there is no, there's no way we can get forward. There's no way past this. And what God does is he, he lets them just wander in the wilderness for 40 years until they're done. So rather than, than receiving the calling that God had for them, they missed it because they kept diving into futility and they couldn't hold on to hope. They couldn't hold on to faith and say, you know what? Yeah, there's giants, but God is greater than these things. Yes. This is what happened. It destroyed that generation. There's another example you may not be familiar with. I'll share with you briefly in Ezekiel chapter 18. I'm sure all you guys are Ezekiel scholars. That's your Bible reading. You got a degree in Ezekiel. Um, yes, the other day I was just studying Ezekiel. and um, uh, I don't know. Maybe you've read Ezekiel, never read Ezekiel. But he's a prophet, and um, he shares... Uh, the word of God, and he was actually in Babylon sharing his prophecies back for Jerusalem. But there was this moment, he's talking to these people who were in, um, they're in the midst of a lot of stress and struggle. Uh, people have been taken out of Jerusalem, taken into captivity in Babylon. And these, this generation has this proverb that's the refrain of their heart. It's a proverb of futility. They say, you know, what? our fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And that may not make any sense to you, but basically what they're saying is, what our parents have done has caused all this problem for us, and we, there's nothing we can do about it. Like, it's, it's not even our fault. We got into this situation. Our parents were a bunch of morons, and they, they got us in this, and really we have no, we have no control of our lives. And, and what psychologists would say is they lost a sense of agency over their lives. They lost a sense of agency that what we do today matters for tomorrow. You can lose a sense of agency in your life where you feel like, you know, nothing I do really matters. I've been trying real hard. I've been doing this. I keep hitting closed doors. I keep getting here, getting there. It just seems like nothing's going my way. You know what? I just kind of give up. What's the point? And that's where they were. You know, what's really the point? God's going to destroy us. He's not going to help us. You know, he's already punished us. And they got to this place where they, they lost hope. And Ezekiel reminds him, no, no, no. Yes, your, your parents were disobedient, but each generation has their own opportunity to serve the Lord. And his message to them was, no, that's not how God operates. He's not going to punish you for them. You are responsible for you. So you do have a sense of agency on your life. You can make choices today that affect your life. And that was his message in Ezekiel chapter 18 to these people that don't lose heart, don't lose hope. Yes, things look bad, but if you serve the Lord, he will bless you. He will bless you. It doesn't matter what your parents did. It doesn't matter what other people did. What are you doing? And so we have to remember that when we let futility reign in our hearts we will give up hope and we will ruin what god wants to do in our lives it could become a, a downward spiral of destruction and, and some people have looked at the addiction cycle if you've known people that have gone through addiction maybe you've gone through things in your life where you know at first you, you felt like a sense of purposelessness and maybe if i attach myself to this substance or this behavior or this sort of thing I'll find some sort of relief and then you get into that behavior and it's a downward spiral because now I can't even get free of this and now what is the point I can't even get free of this thing and, and I feel even less and less in control of my life and everything is externally controlling me and I am stuck in this cycle of self-destruction we don't want futility to grab hold of our lives where we think what is the point we want to remember 
that there is hope in the Lord. Yes. He is able. No matter how dark it looks, he's still in control. You know, I'll just share with you maybe a, a personal example of my own life. I was thinking about, you know, you know I'm, I'm Pastor Sheldon, but this is, I'm a person just like you, right? That's right. And so I was thinking how futility has intersected in my heart. You know, when I was at Southeastern as a 20-year-old, I had professors say, hey, you know, you really should get more education. You'd probably be a good college professor. And I thought, you know, I'd really love to do that one day. And then the further I've gotten away from that, and I did get my master's. I I went and got that. Somebody's bugging me about, I'll go do that. Got my MDiv. But I guess the further I've gotten away from that dream, the less and less I believe it'll happen. I start looking at, well, that's hard to get a job. You know, like they say history, you know, church history professors, there's no jobs in that, right? You ever done that? You got your degree and you're like, well, there's no jobs in that. Well, well, how am I ever going to get a job there? How am I ever going to do this? How am I ever going to do that? Start coming with all the reasons why this could never really happen. And I, I feel like in my life, sometimes I've put my big dreams back here and say, you know, I don't even know if that'll ever happen. Maybe it was just something back then. Maybe that's, what's the point of that? I don't think I could even get a job doing that. So why, why go get my doctorate? Why go through all that? Why pay this money? Because it probably won't even work out anyways, right? I'm just being vulnerable and being honest with you. Um, we can let our dreams be crushed by that thought of futility. Because we're like, man, I don't know if that's even going to happen. Well, you know what? We got to let God infuse his life into us and pour, breathe life into our dreams again. You know, God's maybe poured dreams into your heart and maybe think, well, that was from long ago. Look, look where I'm at now at this stage of life. You know, that's never going to happen. You know, that's not possible. I don't know. With God, all things are possible, right? Yes. That's not what the Bible says? With God, all things are possible. Number three is this. Jesus offers us hope and a path to rise above futility. Jesus offers us hope and a path to rise above futility. Sometimes we get derailed by futility because our, our point, when we think, what is the point? Our point is too small. Our point is too narrow. And we may be looking at something like, what's the point of this? And maybe we're right. But there's a bigger point beyond what we can see. And I was coaching, the, um, got to throw a basketball illustration in. Uh, so we had a game. Well, I don't maybe mentioned this before, but there's this other coach that I coach against um, in the rec league. And he is um, he's not the friend of the reps. Like, I'm, I've been really kind to the refs. They like me in this league. So I've been really nice because my team is pretty good. So I don't have to yell at them. But, yeah, both of them are pretty good. Um, but anyway, this, this guy, man, he is harping on the ref, blah, 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 just going on and on. And, and in a way, <clears throat> his focus is on, man, what's the point? These refs are unfair. You know, I can't even, I can't do anything, man. These refs keep calling all this stuff, man. What's the point? And that's kind of his mentality. Rather than thinking the point of this is not what the refs are calling, whether they call for you or against you or they miss a call. The point is to train the girls on your team to get better at basketball. And the scoreboard really doesn't matter because it's summer rec basketball. It's not, you know, the NCAA championship. This is summer. So the point of being a coach, and this is how I take it, is to help these girls get better. It's not to worry about what the refs are doing. Mm -hmm. But it seems like he's locked in on whatever the refs are doing. And that's his whole – he don't even really tell his players what to do. He's just like, oh, man, you missed a call. So, so sometimes we think, man, this is pointless. He's rushing there. And they're not giving him calls because they don't like him anyways because he's always complaining. So, but he's all locked in that game, but that's not even the point. Yeah, it's pointless, but that's not the point. The point is bigger than that. The point of coaching is to, to instruct your players and help them get better. 
And so sometimes we, we answer the question, what's the point? And we see there's, but we're looking at the wrong point. And so we need to rise above what we're caught up with. You know, maybe we're in this, all the things I mentioned before, maybe in a relationship, maybe I've been trying and they're not responding. Well, maybe the point isn't to get them to do something or to change or to be what, maybe the point is what God's trying to do in your life. And we're caught up in what they're trying to do and how they're, well, man, they didn't do what I thought they would do. And I, so why, no, maybe God's trying to build character in your heart. And so we can't lose hope because God's at work in you. And it ain't even about them. It's about you. On and on. You can look at these scenarios. We're like, man, what's the point? Or maybe we're looking at the wrong point. Yes, we might be right. That point is, is not good. But there's a bigger point that God's trying to get. He's trying to rise us up above those things that we get caught up in to see a bigger path. See, Jesus infuses everything in our lives with a purpose. I want you to hear that. Everything in your life and my life is infused with purpose. If we get our eyes on Jesus, there's nothing in our life that doesn't have a point. Nothing. There's nothing in your life that doesn't have a point. You may feel like it's pointless, but there's nothing because God infuses our life with purpose. And it may not be the point we wanted. (laughs) may not be the direction we, we desired, but there is a purpose. God has a purpose in our life. There's always a point. The children of Israel, you know, like I said earlier, they were so caught up in the food, the hunt, all these little things. They couldn't see the big thing God was doing was building a nation in a new land. He was establishing a new nation of his people in a new land. If they could just hold on to hope and believe him, they could have been a part of that. But they got caught up in all the little things that were going wrong each and every day, and they couldn't see the big picture. We talked about Solomon. Solomon, he was looking at, you know, all this stuff. I started chasing happiness, chasing it through pleasure and wealth and all these things. And he lost track of what the real point was, his connection with God. That's what he really had going to start with. He had a connection to God. God was speaking to him directly, but he lost that because he started chasing all these other things. Uh, well, there's so many different ways where we lose sight of what the real point is. And in and, and so doing, we, we, we can uh, destroy our lives. Real quick, let's give three practical steps, and we'll wrap it up this morning. Three practical steps to renew your hope. So how do you renew the hope that God wants to give you? This, I hope, is, is be a practical thing we can all do. Because God wants us to have hope in our lives. Maybe you walked in here and you've lost some hope about what God's doing in your life or lost hope about your future. you just kind of like living each and every day. I don't know, man, this is just where I'm at. I just kind of do whatever, whatever's in front of me. Well, God wants to infuse hope into your life. That there is a purpose. There's a plan. He's got you here for a reason. So number one, what do we do? We ask, where is my hope? Where is my hope? Isaiah 40, 31, even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men stumble and fall. See, those are the people that are supposed to be strong. Even the people that everyone thinks will be successful will have issues, struggles, and setbacks. So what does that say for us, right? Even the people that are supposed to be the greatest, they're going to struggle. So, man, even... Whoever you, man, we're all going to have our issues. So even they will stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Where is my hope? Is it my hope in this person in front of me that they're going to do this? Is my hope in my job? That, you know, I got a good paycheck and, and you know, so I'm good to go. Is my hope in, in my family? Is my hope in, where is your hope this morning? Where is your hope? 
Because the Bible says if your hope is in the Lord, you will renew your strength. If your strength is low this morning, put your hope in the Lord. Don't put your hope in anything else. Those things will disappoint you. And then you'll start saying, you know what, what is the point? That's where the idea of being disappointed, there is no point. I'm disappointed with this. I, you know, I lost the point of why this was. But if you hope in the Lord, you'll renew your strength. Yeah. I'm not hoping in myself. I'm not hoping in a certain goal or dream. Even though God puts those in our lives, maybe he redirects those. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose sight of what God could do. But at the same time, my whole, my whole mm-hmm. hope, like I shared with you, can't be one day I'm going to be a professor and then, that, then life's going to happen. You know, one day that's, and until then, you know, I'm just dissatisfied. No, maybe that's where God will lead me and he can still stir those dreams. But in the meantime, my hope's in the Lord. Even while I pastor this church with you guys and, and God leads us forward in this community to reach people and see who knows what he will do, right? But I imagine I'm not going to be here 35 years as your pastor. I don't think I will. Uh, and you probably won't be here 35 years, but while we're here, we're going to seek God. Amen. There's a point yeah. to this, no matter how long. we, Whether we're doing this for 10 years or 50 years, whatever we're doing, there's a point for us yeah. to be here. Amen? Yes. There's 20 people here. There's a point. Yeah. we got to latch on to that. God wants Amen. to move in our hearts and our lives, and maybe he's going to reshape us in a way we never would have been shaped had we been somewhere else. That's right. And we'll carry that with us the rest of our lives. Yes. We'll carry what he's done in us the rest of our lives. we got to latch on to that. Our hope is not into a, a certain goal or, or whatever it may be. It's in the Lord. Number two, consider Jesus and embrace his path. Hebrews 12, 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yes. Consider him, this is Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so you won't grow weary and lose heart. The Bible tells us to consider Jesus. What does that mean? Well, we got to get our eyes on him. And what are we considering? Considering the, the path his life took. Well, if Jesus, our Savior, came to earth and he was immediately put on a throne and he barked out commands and this is what happened and then do this, do that, and then peace out, see you guys later. We would consider that his path and maybe we rearrange our lives accordingly. But consider Jesus. What did he go through? What did he do? He came in a lowly, lowly place, lived in obscurity for 30 years, worked a job. Just maybe you feel like I'm in obscurity. I'm working this job. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares about what I do. Jesus did the same thing. He worked as a, a carpenter or a tecton, which is the word. could be a stonemason, as my guide in Israel said. Who knows? Um, but he worked with his hands. He was just doing stuff. He was just Jesus of Nazareth. And then he has a ministry season of three years or so. In this ministry season, many crowds come, many crowds go. People are changed, people are touched, people are healed, people forget about him. It's great and it's not great. He has friends, he has disciples, and they all run away. And so he endured so much difficulty, all to the point of Gethsemane and the cross, where he took our sins for us. He bared them on the cross for us on our behalf. And he endured all of this for us, and then in all that, he died, and then he was ro- he, he raised again. He was resurrected. Yeah. This is the path Jesus took to get to the resurrection, which was the point, the death and the, the resurrection of Jesus. He had to go through so much opposition, so much mm-hmm. ideas. He's probably thinking, why, what's the point of building another chair if he was a carpenter? Why, why am I doing this? Like, really? You sent me from heaven to earth, and I'm hitting there as a carpenter. Why am I doing this? What's the point? Well, there's a point. God had a point. Yeah. 
Yeah. Every every day is infused with meaning if we can see it. We got to hold on to that. Consider Jesus and His path. He promises the same. Often our victory and success will not come before the pain and the struggle. Our victory and our success, where God wants us to be, will not come before we go through hardship. Some of you have gone through some tough things in your lives. I can look out at people in this room. I know you've gone through loss and hurt. It's no fun. It's terrible. But if we're, if we're willing, God can redeem those things and use those things as the very things he sets our lives up on top of to make a difference for somebody else. Yeah. You may look at your life and say, man, I've wasted so many years of my life doing just stuff I'm not proud of. But you know what? God can use those years or redeem those years to be a blessing and to be a ministry to somebody else. That's what God can do. Consider Jesus. Embrace his path. Number three, finally, focus on inward renewal each day. When you feel like, what's the point? Inward. Renewal. Renewal. Inward. Inside. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Amen. Yeah. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Yeah. That could be the story of your, your moment right now, your life. Outwardly, man, there's a lot of things that are like, ah, this is huge. But inwardly we can be renewed day by day. Yes, amen. We have to focus on daily inward renewal God what's going on in my heart where's my heart that's what this series is about that's what we all need every one of us here in this room we need inward renewal day by day because the world is beating us down yes. you know sometimes worse than other times but I'm going to venture to guess with at least a handful of people in here mm -hmm. some things are tough right now and the world is, is working, the enemy is working to beat us down, but we can have inward renewal every day where our life is renewed. Yes. We have hope, we have peace. That doesn't make sense to anybody that doesn't have the mind of Christ. It doesn't have right. Jesus in them. It doesn't make any sense to them, but we can have power and strength in our lives because of what the Spirit is doing inside of us. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to renew us from within. You know, as we wrap this up, Lynn, if you come, and we're going to sing a song. And um, we'll wrap it up this morning. I was reading a book, and it was talking about Vincent Van Gogh. You guys heard of Vincent Van Gogh? He's a, a famous painter. Uh, but if you don't know, I don't know if you know his story, but I, I was not too familiar with his, his biography. But it was talking about his life and how Vincent Van Gogh was kind of a, a person that went through so many um, failures in his life. He was a person they cut off a I, th I think so, yeah. Ear, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's all I knew about, but that's not really even the biggest thing of his life, you know. This guy went through so many different things in his life. He, he grew up as a kid. He, he, he was sent off to boarding school. He failed at school. He wasn't very good at school. He was, you know, he just didn't like, he liked to wander around the, in the forest and just look at nature. You know, like, that don't help with school, so he failed, you know. Well, that's great. Can I take this class? Not a class. Um, he, he had an uncle that was an art dealer, so he thought, oh, I'll go work with this guy, and he became an art dealer, but he wasn't good at it. He was like a shoe salesman that's not good at selling shoes. Like, he would get all caught up in things that were not important with selling the art, and he was just, he was not successful, so he got fired. 
I'm not a good art dealer. Okay, so then he became a teacher, which I'm sure he, was, <laughs> he didn't learn much at school, but he was some sort of teacher, like a boarding school thing. But it, he found out the guy was really more like, it was kind of like a scam. And so the, he was just kind of getting money from these families. It wasn't really, the guy running it wasn't really about it. So he quit that. It wasn't going for him. Then he became a bookseller. Almost sell some books. And in the midst of this, you know, he's around some art and things, but he's always tried. He wasn't very good at it. Um, he became a bookseller. He liked to read a little bit, so he sold books. But then that didn't work out. And then he's, he got he got caught with, um, he says, you know, he found some religion in his life. And so he started reading the Bible and things, and he wanted to become a pastor. And so he went out to the coal miners, started preaching to the coal miners, and everything he had accumulated in his life at that point he gave away. And then after... You know, several years of that, he was burned out, weary, tired, and he had nothing to his name. And his family's all telling me, man, you got to come home. What are you doing? Uh, you don't even know what you're doing with your life. And he had given up on everything that he was doing. So after all these different starts and all these different failures, he was sitting there with his family. They're like, well, maybe you could be a barber. You know, maybe you cut hair. Maybe you could be a baker. Maybe you could, his sister's suggesting things. Well, maybe, you know, maybe you could, um... Uh, I don't know, go into carpentry or something. Like that. There were all these things his family was suggesting. Um, maybe you'll be a librarian. You like to read, did the book thing. I don't know. And he's like, you know, I feel like there's something in my life that it's just not, like I, there's something there that God's put in my life that it's not come out yet. I don't know what it is. But I feel like there's purpose. I feel like I have something. And he just couldn't find it. And, and, and so he began to get back into, I'm going to try art. That's the only thing. It's easy enough. It doesn't cost anything. I'm going to start just, doing stuff and everything he did nobody liked he took classes and he took one painting class and the guy's like you need to go to the, go with the 10 year olds you're horrible the guy literally told him that he was horrible he should be with the 10 year olds but through every rejection every every struggle every every trial he just persisted he didn't give up hope even when he wanted to and eventually he found that with watercolor he started doing some things that were different and people started to like it and not in a huge way when he was alive, because he died at, at age 37. But for like a three to four year period, he actually started being somewhat successful with his watercolor and, and with his painting. And it wasn't until after he died that people started really paying attention to what he was doing and all his paintings. He was like, man, this is actually something pretty amazing. This is something that hadn't been done before. This is something different. And now if you go find a Van Gogh, they're worth millions of dollars, millions of dollars. That's, it's unbelievable. This guy, if he would have quit, if he would have quit any point in his life, he would have been a failure. If you see, you know, I, I, what's the point of all this? Everything I do, I'm a failure. Everything I do, it's just not working out. Why am I even here? There's, but he didn't. He still felt there's something in me. There's something that God has put in me to, to give to the world. And I got to find that thing. I got to do that thing. And you know, I don't know if there's a Vincent Van Gogh here today. I don't know uh, what we got in this room. But I do believe that every person here has purpose in their life. Amen. And they're, it's easy. I'm going to tell you, it's easy to lose track of that and to just go with the grind of every day. Well, I just go to my job, come home, watch some Netflix, and, you know, just chill out, and that's it. But when we do that, we, we rob ourselves and we rob God of what he wants to do in our lives. So I want to encourage you this morning to not give up hope for what God is doing in your life and what he will do. Even in this season, maybe it's a season where you're doing something that you don't want to do and you don't find the meaning. God is doing something in you. Maybe the point is something you can't see yet. Maybe you're caught on something too small. 
I want to encourage you to open your eyes this morning. Let God give you a broader vision for what he wants to do in your life. We're going to sing a song. It's called Living Hope. And while we sing, if, if you want to spend a moment of prayer, maybe right where you are and say, Lord, renew my hope. Maybe you've given over in your heart to futility. You say, you know, I've been saying, what's the point too much? I've been kind of giving up and just kind of just coming short. But I want God to infuse hope into my life that there is a purpose. There is a reason that God is, he's on the throne. He's going to do something great because he's a great God. As we sing this, let him pour that by his spirit into your life. Amen.